Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. On today's show, we have Aaron Mills. He's the owner of Dax, a fractional CFO services company that focuses on helping contractors. He has over 25 years of experience in setting and evolving strategies to manage companies through their rapid growth and change. Companies that he's worked with have been nationally recognized for some elite awards based on their financial performance. Some of these are the Crane Chicago Business Fast 50 in 2019, Inc. 5000's fastest growing private companies 2016 to 2019, and Engineering News Record or ENR Top 600 Specialty Contractors 2016 to 2019. And I would be silly not to mention the fact that the wonderful logo of Daxit includes Dax, Aaron's dog. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Will. Welcome. Before uh, we go, I wanted what Dax. I've seen a picture of this dog. This gorgeous dog. Beautiful German Shepherd, right? Right. Okay. Yes. Right. So, so we were trying to figure out a name for the company, and you know, what, you know, a dog, specifically a German Shepherd, is a family dog and a loyal dog and a protective dog. And when we were just trying to figure out a name for the company, you know, we were like Dax. Dax it. So why don't you just Dax it? <laughs> I love it. I love it's it beautiful. so much. I love origin stories. That's great. Oh, yeah. So tell us more about who you are and you know how long you've been in the construction engine in the construction industry. Yes. Uh, so so I've been in the construction industry for over 20 years now, mainly with family business owners. And it's a very unique environment. Uh, a lot of these people have, you know, rate gone in through the ranks from uh, handling tools to actually having a business. And they're, they're, they're very down-to-earth people. So it's, it's a very rewarding type of work environment. And, you know, what role did you play and why did you, why did you start to exit? Yeah, sure. sure. So, so I've been in the finance area for 25 years. I've always wanted to start my own company. And I think that's how I aligned well with business owners. And, you know, my last deal scaled the business from 30 million to 90 million and sold it. And kind of there wasn't, uh, a place for me anymore. So I had this venture of, you know, what am I going to do next? And, and I realized that, you know, there's a lot of business owners that don't realize what a CFO does and they think that they're too expensive. So that's where my vision of helping many business owners instead of just one business owner in the financial area of their business. That brings up a good question because I know from from talking to people, what does a CFO do specifically for a construction business? Sure. So, you know, it's it's funny. I've seen companies from, you know, 4 million to 15 million and 30 million. And the business owners really don't know what their financials say. And, and the reason is, is that they rely on these people that they think are experts you know, you have your bookkeeping accounting department, they're recording the cost and you have a CPA firm that are worried about your taxes. 
So they think that they're covered from a financial accounting perspective. But what they're missing is that strategic partner that can bridge the financial data, the taxes, the business planning, and the strategic planning with the owner themselves. So that's the part that they're missing. And that's, that's where business owners just don't know what their financial status is and how to move forward. And that's, that's what a CFO does. Can you give us some examples of that? Like some real examples of what you've seen and maybe, you know, just to help people understand, you know, what is it that you're doing specifically in the construction industry? What does that actually mean? Translate that a little bit. Sure. So for example, I had a, uh, a $4 million client and they're think they're, they're by their numbers, they're making 40% gross profit, making a 20% net income and their financials were inaccurate. So they were making decisions, financial decisions based off what their finance, what they believe, what their financials were and what they did. They thought they were making all this money. They actually invested, you know, three quarters of a million dollars in new capital investments, but they didn't realize now you have to pay $26,000 a month to service their debt. So that's a lot of money for, for a $4 million company. So, so we were able to restructure their gross profit, their pricing to actually overcome financial hurdle. And another example was a $15 million company and they were what I call growing broke. So you know, they started 8 million, 10 million, and then all of a sudden jumped up 15 million. And like the business owners were like, you know, this is great. We're at $15 million. And what they didn't realize is they lost a quarter million dollars that year. So, you know, you brought up an interesting term, growing broke. And I want to get back to that because your experience, you've probably seen a lot of things happen across and probably some repetitive themes. What's, what's kind of What's probably the number one issue that's plaguing the construction industry from a financial perspective? What have you seen? Well, I think it's financial clarity because, because even these different companies, you know, the $15 million company had a CPA firm. They help monthly with the financials, but the financials had inaccuracies where revenue were going up and down, gross profits going up and down, and net incomes going up and down. So so there was that lack of financial clarity saying, you know, you, the owners almost put their hands up and going, what's going on? And nobody can tell them. You know, there's a, a $30 million company that had a full accounting department, had a controller in place and was in a similar situation. And that company was stagnant. The business owner was stagnant where the last three years they grew at 30 million and they just stayed in that 30 million range. And what we did there is not only did we bring financial clarity for the company as a whole, we broke the company in silos so that we could create financial clarity in silos. And we were able to make business decisions to actually strategically grow the business. So when you say silos, do you mean like this particular type of work that we do compared to this work compared to this work? Or are you, just, or are you talking about departments? Or you, what, what, does that, what does that mean exactly in silos? Yes. So like, so specifically we, we work in the con- construction contractor business and there, a lot of times you do different types of work. So the different types of work that you do, you should expect different type of margins and net income. So that's where we, we kind of create s- silos. So we could have like a service department, we could have a capital department, we could have a travel department. So we broke these departments up 
and actually gave ownership to the operation managers of their financials. So having so, accountability specific to that department can obviously give a little bit more clarity for certainly the person running it. I would, I would hope that would be the case. But then obviously the big picture, you know, breaking things down in bite size, you know, makes things easier to digest. Is that the thought process there? Yes, exactly. And then in, in the backside of it, it actually created a natural competition because now you have all these operation managers that are responsible for their P&Ls and you have a monthly meeting and you review those P&Ls, which are accurate. And, and, you know, the business owner is there watching their operation managers manage their silos or departments. So I think the term when we, when we were talking our pre-interview, the number one issue, you use a term called revenue recognition. And the solution to that is kind of what you just described to be able to recognize that revenue, you know, in those different lines of business, specifically in a, you know, in a construction company. So when should you recognize revenue? How much and how often should it be done? It sounds like these are, these are things that aren't normal, normally put in and you help with that and you've seen, and what is the outcome then once you start doing those type of things? Sure. So revenue recognition is, is probably one of the most complex calculations and concepts and specifically in the construction and contractor business. So I'm not going to go in details yeah. <laughs> on, on that monster because that, that would be a probably a two hour conversation. But so revenue recognition, so really what we're talking about is like the, these construction businesses have steps of where they're at. So, you know, when I talk about a $4 million company and a $15 million company, and I'm talking about a $30 million company, I'm talking about a $90 million company. These are different monsters. And, you know, revenue recognition, like a business owner knows, is, you know, how profitable you are on a job. Well, when you're at $4 million, the business owner knows how profitable in general they are on every job. Now, when you get to the 10 or $15 million, you've got project managers and they're running jobs. So now you're relying on project managers knowing their profitability. So all of a sudden, the, 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 the business owner is taking a step back and has less control. And when you get to the, you know, the, the 30 million, now you have multiple project managers and operation managers. So, so the revenue recognition is just like a blur to the business owner. So that's where, you know, you really got to put down some policies and procedures and accountability to be able to track revenue recognition. And typically they do that on a WIP schedule, a work in progress schedule. And, and to, to even make the problems even more complicated is the $4 million company are working on projects that are maybe $100,000, you know, 10 to 100,000. Now you get down to a $15 million company. Now you're working on projects typically between 100,000 to a million. So now you've got these big, massive projects that are lasting like months. And if you don't know, if you're not going to make money on that project halfway through that project, you don't even know. You don't know what you don't know. So that's part of the revenue recognition. And okay. that can be really scary, I would assume, right? So obviously everybody wants to grow. You know, if you're, especially if you listen to this podcast, you want to scale, like you want to scale your business, but the 4 million version of you compared to the 15 million version of you or your company have different problems, essentially, you know, you need people in between to scale, but then you also need to know, are you going to make a profit, which for a smaller contractor, 
Like, that's a scary thought, Aaron. Like, not knowing, like, completely, like, I don't know. Maybe we'll be profitable. So you use a term, you use the term called growing broke. You know, I I feel like this is kind of, is that, is this where the, this is related? Like, what does that actually mean? You know, what has them fooled so bad? So basically, again, once you start growing, things are kind of out of control. And, and if you don't have, you know, accountability financials that have accurate data, then you really don't know how profitable you are. So like, for example, this $15 million company, you know, they got projects that are over a million dollars and all of a sudden they started, okay, we typically run 28% gross profit. And all of a sudden we're running at 20% gross profit. Well, if you do the math of 15 million revenue versus 10 million revenue, versus 28% gross profit and 20% gross profit, you're actually making less money and you don't even know it. You're just thinking, wow, I'm doing 15 million. So the bigger they get, the less profitable they're getting. And is this, is this what you mean by growing broke? If, if they don't have a true visibility of their financials, yes, because they, they don't even know it until it happens. I mean, now you're, but what about the contractor dilemma? You know, how does growing broke relate to the contractor dilemma of, you know, bidding on the next job, you know, getting the next job and being the cheapest, you know, on those jobs to get the job? How does that relate? Well, I mean, I'll probably contradict what what most business contractors think is I have to get the next job. You don't have to get the next job. You want to work with people that value you. So it's not always, always the lowest price. You know, you might work, work with this one contractor and they're the biggest headache in the world and you're making no money off of it. Yet our environment, there's more work out there than we can do. So work with the people that value you and will pay for the price that you, you demand. So, so it's, it's kind of a, that's probably an opposite of a lot of business owners think, but once they think it, they actually will make more money. So I'm going to give an example here. So I was working with, with a client. And we were going over their T&M rates, time and material rates. And we determined that their pricing was under market and definitely under value versus their service that they provide. And so we met with the business owners. We met with the project managers. We said, we're going to raise our prices 10% and we're going to create a service price for a 20% increase. And we all agreed to it. And then, then we circled back a month later. And everybody was doing the price increase except for the business owner because the business owner was scared that they weren't going to get the job. So the business owner basically devalued its, his company where the clients will actually pay the higher price if you add that, if you create that value. So that's probably one of the opposite things that business owners think of. I hope everyone heard that nugget there. You can re- increase your prices and still get business. Don't do decisions out of fear. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's a huge mindset shift that I think is really important for people to come to terms with that. So thank you, Aaron, for <laughs> saying it. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, kind of to bring it all together, uh, in order to be accountable, you have to be able to measure, right? Peter Drucker once said, uh, you can't improve what you don't measure. So what kind of KPIs, key performance indicators should every owner know and why? from your perspective? One thing that probably a lot of business owners don't do is they probably don't sit down once a month and dig through the financials 
and go through the financials, income statement and a balance sheet. So that is one of the most important high-level KPIs that every business owner should be doing. And if they don't understand their financials, they need to talk to somebody that will help them understand their financials. And sometimes it's not your accounting people. Sometimes it's not your CPA. So that's the number one. So within your financials, you need to know what your gross profit, your, your revenue and your gross profit, what you're billing and what, how much money you're making off your jobs. So that's another, another key, key point. Also is your overhead. So if you, if you got your revenue, you got your gross profit, then you have your overhead. So obviously you want your gross profit more than your overhead because that's your net income. So obviously you need to know how to make money. Need to understand my profitability. What does my balance sheet do? Your balance sheet? Well, I mean, basically the balance sheet tells you how you can pay your bills. So if you have a weak balance sheet, then you're probably struggling paying your vendors. You're probably struggling paying your employees. So that's what your balance sheet does. And then if, if you understand how to read a balance sheet, kind of explains the story to you. You can make significant adjustments on, you know, how to get your customers to pay you, you know, refinancing, you know, making connections with banks that will help you grow. Because that's another example. A lot of, a lot of contractors, they, when they just go buy equipment, they just go buy equipment and they, they get whatever interest rate that they can get at that time. Whereas, you know, if you have established banking relationship, you could, you know, ideally have favorable financing terms so that you're not growing broke. There's definitely a strategy involved and strategy is kind of higher level. You did say that CF, you know, people have the mind that CFOs are expensive. So how do I know as a contractor or as a GC, how do I know what are the key indicators that I need to have a CFO, whether it's in part or in whole, what are those indicators and why? Um, do they have a business? What I, what I would say to that is, you know, Justin's carpeting business that's just me doing all the work and everything. I, you know, that's not CFO worthy, I would assume, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So what, what, at what level does it, it say, yeah, you definitely, without question, need to have somebody in place that's really taking a hard look at your finances? I would say, I hate to put numbers on things, but, you know, if you want to put a number on something, you could be talking around $4 million because the thing, the thing is, as you even grow more, it's going to be even more important because the contract business is you have all this money going in and out. And how do you manage all that money going in, in and out? So while I got a, you know, a $500,000 job, but now I got to pay vendors. I got to pay my employees. When am I going to get paid? And how do I manage all that money? So if you're, if you're struggling with like money and, and don't know the understandings of the clarity of the financials, which I don't think most business owners have that experience, you know, those are, those are key for a business. Your financials, the, num the number of reason contractors go bro broke is cash flow. 33%. Well, again, Everybody gets excited that they're growing. Like I mentioned, the the fifteen million dollar contractor. You know, they're they're just getting excited that their revenues keep on going up, and they're like, "Man, we're great!" But all of a sudden, they didn't realize that they actually lost a quarter million dollars. So here you have a business that you think is succeeding, but you're bleeding out cash. And then if you if you don't have cash, how do you run a business without cash? 
That's the, the saying, right, Will? Top line for vanity, bottom line for sanity. Oh, 100%. That's it right there. Can't look at the top line number. Top line doesn't matter. If you're making no, no money, you know, what's, what's the difference between a $10 million company making half a million dollars versus, you know, a $4 million company making half a million dollars, right? Which one would you rather be? Right. So, right. I'd rather be the $4 million company making half a million dollars because there's a lot less problems there. More money, more problems. So you said revenue, 4 million plus. What about employee count or growth rate? Growth rate. I mean, those are all, all key factors. To be honest, I, I, I go back to, you know, it would be smart for any business owner to honest talk to a financial professional that's in their market. Because what you don't know is what you don't know. And it's, it's one of those scary things where business owners are afraid sometimes to ask for help. So when we talked a little bit in our pre-interview, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use a phrase here that I learned a while back ago. They're they're getting revenue in and but then they're struggling to pay, you know, pay their employees, pay for pay their vendors. And so they take on the new job and they're essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? And so they're using sort of the next job to pay for pay for the previous job, you know, expenses, right? So it's a version of growing broke. Well, so you've already talked about how to maybe fix that, increasing your rates, things like that. But, you know, is there such a thing as, you know, what's a, what's a healthy growth rate for a construction company, builder, you know, contractor? What is, what does a healthy growth rate look like? That's a very, very interesting question. You know, a lot of it just depends. So, you know, it depends on if you have the pieces in place. So, you know, a $15 million company versus a $30 million company looks a lot different. If you have like the, the business plan and the people in place to grow a company, you know, you can grow 50% and not grow broke. But if you don't have pieces in place, you can grow 10% and grow broke. So putting an actual number on that is, is somewhat difficult. I would say on average, I would say 20% is, is a, a good average number to grow so year over year you're talking about your 20 percent year over year okay yep so healthy 20 percent without growing broke you could do it 50 percent but you have to have a lot of pieces right in place financially yep. speaking yep. and 10 percent five percent might be a little on the smaller side or you're a really big company right right one of those two things so so obviously cfo in place that's that's one of the the people you know like we're an eos company so you know people and process are huge obviously podcast people process and technology being huge to us just in general so you need a cfo if you want to grow not broke you want to grow healthy mm -hmm. are there other are there other pieces that need to be there for a, a contractor to to you know be healthy growing growing healthy so you you have to have a strong management team so, I mean, it, it really kind of, again, depends on the size of the company because it depends because the, the size of the company can't afford, you know, three C seats when it's a $4 million. But when you get to, you know, 15 to 30 million, that's where, where you need like a chief operation officer. Those are a strategic partner that can help run the operations and allows the business owner actually kind of work out on on the business versus in the business, because that's going to be one of the key factors of being able to grow the grow the business is creating those levels of of support cast 
that can help help you grow a company. And one of the things that probably a lot of companies don't think about that's probably real, that's important is an HR function. Because if you're gonna start growing, you need to have a culture and you need to have employees. So that's a, another key place that I think is lacking in a lot of companies. That's funny, that's you're coming from a finance perspective and you're talking about people being important. <laughs> <laughs> So those are great insights. Uh, I hope everyone was listening to that. So financial person talking about people, that's, I'd say that says something. Are there, are, are there any other things that you feel everyone should know, you know, tidbits of information that you feel that people could walk away with and maybe even implement right now in, in their business? Even one little thing, what would that be? Plan, put, put a yearly budget together, sit down once a month and compare your financials to your budget and make sure that you're executing your plan. When you set goals, then you have a target. And that's what a budget is. Sounds like uh, sounds like a plan. Aaron, you've been awesome. Hold have- on, hold on. Before we end, I, I want to know, Aaron, we're going back 20 years. We're hopping in the time machine. All right. What would you tell yourself? 20 years ago? Yep. Stop watching TV. One of the big things that I've changed in my life recently is making learning fun. So instead of sitting and being entertained, have your entertainment be learning. You have no idea how happy that information makes me. I'm in the same path. I've been waking up at 5 a.m., doing some personal growth, doing learning a lot of like optimizing your life is in habits or is in confidence or is in all these things. So I'm I'm literally giddy. <laughs> that's that's the word I'm gonna use. I'm literally giddy. So if you are uh, listening and you, you can't uh, see me, Definitely giddy. Go to YouTube. You can see my face. This is the giddy face. <laughs> I want to. I want to take it a step further. In all seriousness, why? What would have changed actually had you done that? Right. So if you had taken that path twenty years ago. Wow, that's a deep question, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what yes, I'm here for. Is. Yes, it that's is. what I'm here for. I, I mean. To be honest, it's just a mindset and, and a lifestyle that I wish I had a while back where I believed in investing in myself more. And in doing that, I probably would have stepped out of, of, of an employee role sooner and would have started my own business because I started to see that there's a higher value of what I can do for more than just one business owner. So I probably I would have started my own business earlier. Thank you for sharing. I love hearing that. Aaron, you've been awesome today. Thanks for coming on the show. How can people connect with you if they want to get a, get a hold of you, or get in touch with you? Sure. My email address is Aaron M at Daxit, D-A-A-X-I-T.com. Or you can just Google us, Daxit. Beautiful. We'll drop all the social links and all that kind of stuff in the notes section for everybody. Aaron, again, you are awesome. I love the personal growth journey too. I actually, I'm going to be contacting you after just to kind of shoot the shit a little bit about that. So, so, you know, be on the lookout for my emails. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you guys. You know, obviously we have a great working together. So thank you for your time. Thank you for doing this podcast and sharing, sharing not only my message, your message. Thank you. You've been awesome. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com 
backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.